Okay, we have arrived at week 37, and we've started the 10th chapter of Opulence of the Absolute, text 1 through 10. And it's interesting because chapter 9 is said to be the most confidential knowledge, because Krishna says, Rajavidya, Rajaguyam. Rajaguyam means hidden in the heart, very confidential. So it's perceived directly. Um, it's everlasting and is joyfully performed. So this is the most confidential knowledge. But then at the beginning of chapter 10, Krishna says, this is even more confidential. <laughs> so we're going to see why that's so in chapter 10. Um, but it's a little hidden meaning too. But we're going to explore that a little bit. And it's going to expand more. If you remember in the ninth chapter, Krishna says, I am the goal, I am the sustainer, I am the abode, I am the refuge. So it's going to expand more on our understanding of what Krishna's position is. And when we know what Krishna's position is, that is all auspicious in our life. Um, so we're going to learn more about who Krishna is in this chapter, which is very good. <laughs> the learned Krishna is. <laughs> So, um, who would like to share? So I can read it. Okay, so my discovery is I took uh, out of, uh, I put cha um, verse 4 through 5 purport. And out of that purport, it says, Birth and death, let me switch it, that might be better. Hello. Okay. Doesn't rotate sometimes. All right. Anyway, birth and death apply to one's embodiment in the material world. Fear is due to worrying about the future. A person in Krishna consciousness has uh, no fear because by his activities, there we go, by his activities, he is sure to go back to the spiritual sky, back home, back to Godhead. Therefore, his future is very bright. Others, however, do not know what their future holds. They have no knowledge of what the next life holds. So they are therefore in constant anxiety. If we want to get free from anxiety, then best course, then the best course is to understand Krishna and be situated always in Krishna consciousness. In that way, we will be free from all fear. So my understanding of that is fear is caused from associating as a material body. When we take up this life as a devotee of Lord Krishna, all fear will disappear and we become free of any anxiety that is caused from thinking that we are only temporary material bodies. By always thinking about Lord Krishna, understanding him, we become Krishna consciousness, we become Krishna conscious and we are truly free, liberated from all fear and doubt. So my application to that is, as is said in Srila Prabhupada's purport in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, first verse, the words idiom, yanyam, uh, this knowledge uh, refer to pure devotional service, which consists of nine different activities. Hearing, chanting, remembering, serving, worshipping, praying, obeying, maintaining friendship, and surrendering everything. 
by the practice of these nine elements um, of devotional service, one is elevated to spiritual consciousness, Krishna consciousness. So every day I do my best to hear and read from the Vedic scriptures, chant the holy names of the Lord through the practice of Japa and Kirtan, always remembering Krishna throughout the day, serve Krishna through serving the spiritual master and the devotees, perform a single Mangla Ardi, a simple Mangla Ardi in the morning, and attending temple services as often as I can, praying to Krishna through the practice of the Maha Mantra and thanking him in love and gratitude for his divine mercy, obeying the instructions of my spiritual master and maintaining associations with devotees and surrendering all to Lord Krishna knowing that nothing belongs to me. I know I am so far from being pure. I always feel so inadequate with my service, but as I continue living my life as a devotee, any anxiety or fear about that future may bring, uh, may, may dissolve, uh, may bring, oh, may dissolve more every day. For all my activities I do for Lord Krishna, um, uh, and what I thought was me begins disappearing like a bad dream. All I wish to do is please my spiritual master, get closer to Lord Krishna, and be his loving, devoted servant. Yet I know I am at Krishna's mercy. For whatever he has in store for me, I will accept with no reservations, no fear, for I am free in service to the Lord and his devotees. Now, if everybody just followed that recipe, everybody would go back to Godhead. How can you follow that? It's a tasty recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People got to get to know you so they can get to know that recipe. <laughs> well, I have my best. Every day I feel like I fail at it, but I do the best. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, how can I follow that? Like... <laughs> well, you know the recipe too. <laughs> This was great. Well, I chose from text seven in the purport the last sentence. It kind of stood out for me. I really like it. It goes, One should not neglect to understand fully how great Krishna is. For by knowing the greatness of Krishna, one will be able to be fixed in sincere devotional service. And it brought me back to one of my favorite songs when I was in church. Like, how great is our God? I used to love that song. and um, But now, when I sing it, it's, it has, like, way more meaning because I know how great he is. You know, before it was like, oh, it's a beautiful song. But now there's, like, meaning in, in more deeply understanding what I'm singing. So it's, it's I love it. Um, so, yeah. Um, what else? Application. Keep chanting. <laughs> keep um, learning. Keep associating. Keep chanting. Keep doing devotional service as sincerely as I can. <laughs> and yeah, keep trusting that Krishna will reveal every day a little bit of more and more how great he is because he's like ever increasing, right? So yeah. Is your um, your nature? So if you're in the purificatory environment, that nature is going to come up. So we can lose hope if we feel like um, 
I am the conditioned nature of my body. But if we know our nature is pure spirit soul, then we can stay um, confident and patient. And Krishna will bless us with on removing the covering. Really what we need is that we need Krishna to remove his maya, maya shakti. Um, but I, I didn't get a chance to get in on your conversation with the Christians. But I wanted to. Oh, boy. But I got really busy. Oh, man, that was so <laughs> but, much fun. Um, but Prabhupada was saying, you know, that was fun. <laughs> he was saying this allows, like, like you were saying, like, to know how great God is, how great, why is God great? Yeah. In that yeah, way. So if, what makes him so great? What I would like to um, communicate to our Christian uh, brothers and sisters is that if we have knowledge but that helps us to love God, which is the first commandment, then why would we not accept that? If we have knowledge that helps us to know God more, that means that we're following Jesus' commandment to love and know God. Um, if following Jesus is, or following Krishna consciousness helps us to be better followers of Jesus, then why would you reject that on a sectarian basis? It doesn't make any sense. So it's interesting because I think that he responded and said something like, like they're not dogmatic or, or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, you said something that was very logical, but he couldn't agree with it. No. So, my uh, my uh, brother-in-law is part of that Rathi followers, you know, um, which are Christian apologists, and they're very they contend to be very very fundamentalist, you know, incredibly narrow-minded when it comes to a lot of things. So when I saw all those posts, it reminded me listening to my brother-in-law, you know, because I tried to talk with him years ago, you know, about things, and he yeah. just There's didn't want to hear it. With you if you have to abandon logic. Yeah, yeah so he just, problem. everything gets abandoned, you know, with yeah. him, and, and unfortunate, it's unfortunate. And Ravi himself, the, he's, because of his past, you know, in India being raised a Hindu, and he was... Father was abusive and things like that. So there's oh, a lot of. That's the guy he quoted. That's the guy he quoted from the books. So he's very famous. Yeah, so so he's really very much against <clears throat> Eastern past because of sure. his own background and prejudice. Sure. And so, so there's too much baggage going on with there that logic gets thrown out the window and more emotion gets put into coming up with those reasons more than anything else. So it's kind of sad in a way. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll grant it to them that they can throw out logic. If they're on the platform of the gopis. Yeah. If they're on that platform. Yes. Hi, Krishna, Mantra. Krishna. Then they can throw it out because they're completely um, liberated souls. You're so surrendered to Krishna that there is no logic. It's just, where is Krishna? And, and how is Krishna feeling? And, you know, how can I engage with Krishna? So that, now you can throw out logic if you're on that platform. But besides that, when you're trying to discover how to know God, the initial stages of Bhagavad Gita, like we're reading right now, and Srimad Bhagavatam too in the beginning, is getting to know God's position. And that's actually what this chapter is all about. Because without having that initial understanding, it's called Sambandha. Sambandha means I know who I am, and I know my relationship to God is, I know who God is. From that starting point of understanding that relationship, then we can develop that relationship. But if that starting point isn't there, and on the basis of religion to um, abandon all intelligence, all logic, 
closed-mindedness and how can we see uh, that Krishna is everywhere actually how can you know he's great yeah how can you know how he is great <laughs> exactly <Yeah>. Krishna <laughs> uh, my selection was from um, text 8 of, from the purport and I'll paraphrase here it's the patriarch Shiva and Brahma as well as other demigods, are created by Krishna, but because of the illusory energy, they themselves think themselves to be the Supreme. And so I'm reminded of a verse also in the Gita, I can figure out how to cite it quite, but I'm reminded that um, if a man pridefully thinks himself to be God, he's he is required to prove it, not only like suggested, but he's required to prove it. And... and um, and reminds me of what I'd learned in Christianity about Jesus Christ did not say that he was God, but everyone around him thought he was and insisted that he was in order to follow him. It's it, but he still performed miracles to demonstrate his power while still giving God the credit. But um, when Jesus was asked to prove himself in front of Roman authorities to save his own life, um, just based on the Jewish rumors saying that he's God and he never said it himself, he refused to prove these miracles and perform any more of these godly opulences. In fact, he didn't even say anything. Yeah. He was completely, he was completely silent. <laughs> and um, so that's how I conclude that part. But I want to add something to what you were saying about um, how great is our God, the worship song we sing in um, Christian church. Because I was involved with a worship band, but everybody else was on the same page that we're worshiping God here and I wasn't feeling the same kind of loving potency or, you know, felt I can approach in the same way because I was from the performer aspect. I was more concerned with the musicality of it and the lyrics were, didn't have the same gravity. They would, I would hear them, but we'd be more focused on how pleasant the sound would be and the association with some people that weren't, really making the same kind of advancement or looking forward to something new, they were complacent with where they were at. I'd like to just say, like, Christians who, in my experience, are people from any path that are really getting close to God, because you can get close to God um, if your heart's in the right place. But I've seen those people, uh, they're able to bridge these barriers of sectarianism uh, because they actually, Christian begins to reveal his all-pervading nature. So when you meet a person like that, there's more of a, an openness and a warmth. Uh, the, the loving nature is, is more present, and it's easier for them to absorb um, the fact that, yeah, God is all-pervading. God is everywhere. How can I limit God to one time, place, circumstance, in the scope of eternal existence, unlimited space and time, actually beyond space and time? How can I limit God to that? Um, but yeah, Jesus, he wasn't going to, he wasn't trying to impress anybody with his miracles. He was, and like you said, he gave credit to, to God. He said, not by my own power have I done this, but from my Father is in heaven. So he, he clearly said that. He's always pointing <laughs> to the Father. Always. Yeah. What's interesting too is I was trying to explain to him that I'll give him, I'll give him credit where credit's due, you know, that Jesus was, was divine in the sense that we all are, because we all come from Krishna. So in a sense, we're all parts and parcels. So when Jesus would speak of his oneness with God, 
He also encourages everyone to share in that oneness because it's our actual natural position. So it's not some exclusive position that just Jesus holds. It's actually a position that we can all have with God. And it actually ties into our, our system of Achintya Veda Veda Tava, that we are simultaneously one and different with God. So this is, this is very hard for them to understand because this isn't being taught to them. So anyway, you're right, you know. Um, Jesus was always giving credit where credit is due. And I think a lot of times we just fail to see that and we just cherry pick some verse to support you know, this idea that we're the best, you know, we have the absolute truth. And unfortunately, a lot of times that becomes the priority over, you know, trying to give people pure love of God. And I feel like that when it was all said and done, going back and looking at that, the second I began to speak about the love of God and what really motivates the Bhakti Yogi on their journey towards God is, is this unalloyed devotion. Immediately the conversation was cut off. So anyways, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Mm -hmm. As long, remember that meeting we had at, uh, what was it called, that place Teen that we went Challenge. to? Teen Challenge. Right. Oh, yeah. And I had a conversation with a pastor, and he was emphasizing the that Jesus is God. And like you were saying, I was saying, well, he's the son of God. And what I was trying to emphasize is that there's a distinction, even in Christianity, they have the Trinity. So they say there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I said, yeah, I, I will agree with you. There is a oneness there. So he's a son of God. He has the same DNA as God. His will is completely aligned with his Father. But you have to also agree that there's also a difference, right? Otherwise, why would you call him the Father and the Son? What would be the point? Does the Father become the Son and the Son become the Father? <laughs> and Jesus also said, he said, you can come with me and sit at the right hand of my Father with me in heaven. You can be in that association. So, anyway, I guess we have to get back to Krishna. And yeah, <laughs> opulence of the absolute. I wanted to, before, real quick. Just, be, yeah. I wanted. To, did you have an application, Elijah, that you wanted oh, to share? That application I had said was more not not really. Okay. Yeah, I just said what I'd written. Okay. Okay, um, great. So, gosh, I mean, I was just going over so many things because it's all fresh in my mind. We literally just finished reading it. Um, it's incredible, by the way. Purport 4 and 5 is bananas, by the way. That, that purport is just incredible. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this because um, this is such a classic. This is such a beautiful verse. It says, To those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love. I give them the understanding by which they can come to me. And then there's a line in the purport where Prabhupada states that the ultimate goal of progress is Krishna. He's the ultimate goal. Right? And so many times we just forget that. So as I was having this conversation, the, the, you know, the idea of heaven and reward and heaven and reward kept popping up and heaven and reward. And I just can't help but think like, man, it's Krishna. It's all about Krishna. It's all about Krishna. Like, why do, you know, it's not about heaven. So, and I'm also thinking back to when I was in that Christian circle, in that Christian environment. And I truly, I, I felt, I felt like I truly had this, like, ardent desire to want to know God beyond what I was being taught, you know. 
And I truly felt like I was, like God was reciprocating with me at a certain level, but there was still a lot of obviously unknowns there. But what's beautiful is that he was still somehow reciprocating. And ultimately I feel like he was able to guide me and bring me here because of my my desire, my desire, my ardent desire and my need to, to, to know him. So I'm pretty confident that if he did that for me, that he can do it for any Christian who's sincere and who sincerely wants to get to know to know him. So yeah. And you know, um, as far as an application goes, I mean I guess for me, it's it's all about maintaining the freshness that, or 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 the the fact that keeping it ever fresh in my mind that Krishna is the ultimate goal, so that we don't get lost in in all these other things that that aren't really so important. Krishna, he's the ultimate goal of life. He is the ultimate goal of religion. So. I think that if I keep that ever fresh in my mind, then it will help me traverse this material world. You know? So. so. In verse 10.2, Krishna says, Neither hosts of demigods nor the great sages know me original, or know my origin or opulences. Mm-hmm. And in verse 10.3, Krishna again says, Who know um, says who knows I'm unborn, who is known as, as I'm unborn, beginningless as the supreme lord of all the worlds? He only undeluded among men if freed is freed from all sins. So my understanding on this. Krishna's pastimes cannot be accurately ascertained either through the qualities born of goodness or by the sages, progenitors and their descendants. What to speak of me entangled within these three modes of material nature. At least I am so glad that Krishna gave me the intelligence to find my goal. Don't know from how many lives I am trying to reach this goal. Lord Krishna is known as Bhagavan. Oh, sorry. I'm so happy to be in the midst of these pure devotees. If not all the time, I'm indebted to all of you here who are giving time and energy to speak about the Lord's glories. Application. Want to dedicate more time in midst of devotees and gain spiritual knowledge and faith and would be able to distribute and spread this knowledge to the most unfortunate people like me who are struggling in this material modes of nature. Mm. Within... Oh. Thank you so much. We also value your association. <laughs> uh, who I know you listen to a lot. He, um, he speaks about, he always is, is glorifying the process of sadhana bhakti given to us by Prabhupada, the nine classes of devotional service, where then he calls distribution of Prabhupada's books high sadhana. So like, you, especially do the mercy of Lord Jaitanya, where you're engaging in hearing and chanting the glories of the Lord, you're elevating very quickly, although we don't deserve it. This is because of the causeless mercy of Gornitai and our Prampara. Um, but when you're engaging in Sankirtan, distributing Prabhupada's books, that's a whole other level. That's like, 
like if you want to catch the attention of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then distribute Prabhupada's books because um, he takes notice of devotees that take on his his mood of compassionate nature who take the risks who take the hardship the difficulty to be rejected rejected <laughs> and meet all kinds of varieties of people to distribute this knowledge so yeah you'll it's like a boost it's like a special button you press that you just take off so <laughs> i'm really grateful to have that type of mood because it's uh, contagious so thank you okay so murray mohini kijai gee let's see what she said have a great class and please do give my love and devotion to ananta i look forward <laughs> to bathing him again the next time i come take good care oh, i don't know if i was supposed to read that <laughs> she said something before that i was supposed to read okay here we go what did she say yeah she said to give all her regards to the devotees that's what she said okay so this is text one from chapter 10 supreme lord said my dear friend mighty armed arjuna listen again to my supreme word which i shall impart to you for your benefit and which will give you great joy understanding the whole purpose of the gita is listed here krishna talks to arjuna and instructs him for the benefit of all mankind the word from the supreme lord brings the living entity joy it is good for the living entity and the path back to godhead brings happiness wow that's wonderful application i will listen to the word of krishna in the bhagavad-gita with great relish and anticipation knowing that it will bring me joy it is good for the living entity and is the path of salvation. Anything to do with the Lord is very auspicious and very fulfilling for the living entity who is brought back closer to his constitutional nature by it. Jai. So when we're engaging in the processes of hearing and chanting, such as reading Bhagavad Gita, which is one of those processes, then depending on our state of consciousness, our advancement will have a different experience. But one can literally be absorbed in pure love of God through reading Bhagavad Gita, if we have the eyes to see um, that this is completely transcendental. It's Krishna is directly speaking to us. So that's why the path and the goal are both blissful, because whatever our, if we have some taste, whatever our level is, we'll, we'll be joyful in performing that activity. And to the degree we make advancement, then that joy just increases. And like you were saying, it's, unlimited, it's actually unlimited. Like Krishna is unlimited, and the bliss, the happiness of serving Krishna is also unlimited. Uh, which Krishna said in the ninth chapter, he said, Susukam kartam avyagam, is everlasting and is joyfully performed. So that's a beautiful realization that, you know, there's so many things we do in the world. How many things that we do does the process joyful? Usually we're trying to get to the end of the process to experience the joy. Right? It's like, okay, I've got to do my job, and then I'll get a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Then I'll enjoy, but not the job. Yeah. But this is saying, no, you enjoy doing it. You enjoy actually doing the process. And the reward is the process. In other words, it's, just, it's a constant state of joy. It's not like misery, and a little bit of joy, and then more misery, and then a little, bit, a little more joy. It's always joyful. 
Thank you so much. It was wonderful. And um, on that note, of course, you probably saw my email, so we're going to um, break for a few weeks because some devotees are going to visit family members, and, um, and we'll be back, kind of back around that time. So I miss all of your association very much. But we can read. We can read. We can take this next section and really absorb in it. So our next class, we got to have great realizations <laughs> from the holiday miseries. <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay. Partially joking. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a common. It's a common thing amongst the devotees. I, I see all these memes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all these memes. It's like it's, it's. It's pretty painful for the devotees. It's not always easy. Because not every family is as open-minded as you know. Some families are. Yeah. Yeah. You have a pretty nice family, for the most part. Well, I guess it depends on which side, right? Okay. <laughs> anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> the mom and dad are super, easy. Yeah, nice. 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 Yeah, that's so. cool. That's nice. What about you? Is your family supportive of your Krishna consciousness? Um, they're supportive of um, discovering God for myself. Okay, good. So they're not like giving you a hard time about it. Nice. Just like when Shishika Prabhu always talks about how the mother said it's okay and then he discovered the God and one day he's like, he called the mom and he was a little bit uh, depressed and like, mom says, okay, take your chanting bag and keep chanting now. <laughs> he was so happy. <laughs> Success. Yes. And your mom starts instructing you to chant. It's a good sign. <laughs> My, my mom did chant for a little while. She chanted. Yeah, she chanted like she was chanting around for a day for a little bit, but then she dropped off the wagon. It's kind of like my wife. She chanted too, and then dropped off the wagon. But she got benefit. Yeah, she was doing it. Yeah. When he was here coming to Krishna, yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I don't think my mom ever. Mm-hmm. My mom would sing it because it would always uh-huh. be playing in the house, so she'd always be singing the mantra. Nice. <laughs> And they got to go to Rati Yatra and pull the rope, so yes. pull it, pull the Yeah, very auspicious. Oh, really Especially liberating, our, really liberating our families according to Sri the Prabhupada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have something you want to say? Yeah, um, I was able to read some passages from the Gita earlier that my dad was willing to listen to and all. Like, so I was selected about some of the things I read that included like less of a cultural aspect, talking about like Pandavas and, and the Indian words and because he's not familiar with Sanskrit himself but Krishna is speaking it's um, Krishna's words but he's talking in the first person so I just read it as if it were in the first person he goes so that's God speaking and (laughs) and like yeah because of what he's saying nobody else could say that without sounding prideful or arrogant or ignorant that's a good point what if um, like Krishna not watching the video I am the source of all spiritual and material worlds. <laughs> Everything emanates from me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said that first. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. I would almost believe it because he has such a potent voice. <laughs> 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 like, oh, no. Well, he's a devotee of Krishna, so they reflect the qualities of Krishna. But that's a good indication that we have also strayed a bit from the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just did <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's interesting that. Um, Krishna is the only personality that would make these bold statements. Nowhere yeah. else in any other tradition, anywhere, you yeah. find anyone making these claims. And the goal is sustainer. Only the goal, Krishna. The refuge. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Yeah. You know how, you know, you look at all the, the sacred texts from different religions all over all over the world, and this is the only one where God is directly, really speaking. Yes. You know. I mean, there's little moments like, you know, you know, okay, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. So yeah. You know there's a conversation happening somewhere along the line at some level. Yeah. But you don't really hear that, you know, that conversation. So it's like, this is it. This is the one and only one that she's going to have that in, yeah. which is just phenomenal to me. Yeah. yeah, and when Moses was talking to God, he, he'd ask, who do I say that you are? Yeah. And he gave him that I am, that I am, I am which God. is genius. Yeah. Because if he told him that, like, just call me Krishna, people wouldn't even accept him and only have the glory of that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, that speaks to understanding God through his energies. And so people, and I mean, Prabhupada was even quoting that verse that we read earlier. Um, I can't remember which chapter, but um, um, out of thousands among men, one may endeavor for perfection. So mm -hmm. devotional service is extremely rare. And so, generally, the way God is revealing Himself is through His through His through His um, grand grandiose, opulent, and um, powerful nature. So that uh, phrase "I am that I am" is like a power invoking statement. Like basically, I am everything in a sense. Right. So, yeah, nice. Thank you. Okay, this is from text ten seven purport. The highest summit of spiritual perfection is knowledge of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Unless one is firmly convinced of the different opulences of the Supreme Lord, he cannot engage in devotional service. Generally, people know that God is great, but they do not know in detail how God is great. Here are the details. If one knows factually how God is great, then naturally he becomes a surrendered soul and engages himself in the devotional service of the Lord. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When one factually knows the opulences of the Supreme Lord, there is no alternative but to surrender to Him. And that would be a reason why He would be reserved from exposing His opulence, because then it's out of fear. It's like we'll see in the 11th chapter where Jesus says, Hey, don't show me that form. A very terrifying, um, very wonderful form. This factual knowledge can be known from the descriptions in Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita and similar literatures. <clears throat> um, understanding? This is a portion of the purport to Bhagavad Gita 10.7, which states, One who is factually convinced of this opulence and mystic power of mind engages in unalloyed devotional service. Of this there is no doubt. If we are sincere and thereby attain the mercy of the devotees, we receive tender faith, that is, theoretical, theoretical acceptance of Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is no small reward. This great gem of tendered faith leads to further action on the path of bhakti yoga, engaging in some or all of the nine processes of devotional service. 
However, this initial faith will gradually, through the process of consistent endeavor in bhakti yoga, lead to one life-saving realization. This is not a superficial realization that fades with the moment. It's a realization that penetrates to the innermost chamber of the heart and opens the door to liberation. It is a knowing that Krishna is Bhagavan, full of six opulences, beauty, strength, fame, knowledge, wealth, and renunciation. A knowing that Krishna is the source of all sources and our life and soul. It is a knowing that Krishna is the eternal, transcendental controller of the material and spiritual worlds. It is a glimpse with full faith into the complete supremacy, mastery, opulence, and beauty of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It is a knowing that Krishna is eternally situated in the heart of every living entity. It is a knowing that Krishna is a well-wishing friend of every living entity. Krishna states in chapter 4, verse 9, that one who knows the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities does not, upon leaving his body, take birth again in this material world, but attains my eternal abode, or Arjuna. That's how important this realization is, one who factually knows this about Krishna. Srila Prabhupada concludes the purport to the Bhagavad Gita 10.7 by stating, One should not neglect to understand fully how great Krishna is. For by knowing the greatness of Krishna, one will be able to be, one will be, able to be fixed in sincere devotional service. In other words, if you know that, there's not going to be any other goal. How can you make, if you really know that about Krishna, how can you deviate from devotional service? So the truth is, as a, when the faith is tender, we don't fully know. But through the practice, then we get realization about, wow, like, this person is everything. Sarvamiti. <laughs> um, application. Revelation comes when the Lord is pleased with our sincere endeavor to know and love him. Then he promises to guide us from within to reach him. Bhagavad Gita 10.10, we just studied. That says, those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love, I give them the understanding by which they can come to me. Sincere endeavor means that I always stay in Krishna consciousness and persevere to the end. How do I be sure to do that? I always stay in the association of sincere and serious devotees dedicated to Guru and Krishna and the lineage of Srila Prabhupada with a desire to be a better servant of Krishna's devotees. Because if we take on the quality of a servant of Krishna's devotees, then we won't um, develop an offensive mentality. Um, and when there's an offensive mentality developed or a mundane mentality, then um, our taste for devotion for devotee association can become lost. And when that taste is lost, then we'll exit the association of devotees. And then our life, then we're going to have a difficult time in life. But if, we're, if, if I can, I was just speaking from, um, from a personal standpoint, if I can remain in the mood of a servant of the devotees, then I'm likely to be accepted and to, to remain um, as a positive element in the association of devotees, rather than creating a disturbance through, um, you know, creating, because when, when, when we aren't careful with our sadhana and we bring in the material energy, then there can be mundane quarrel and fighting and backbiting and all this mundane uh, interactions that leads to mundane vision. And then we just end up saying, oh, you guys are all a bunch of jerks and see you guys later. <laughs> Which is actually Krishna, you know, removing us. Yeah. But we're thinking that, you know, that I, I did this. I Really, these, they're not very important. But actually it was Krishna. Uh, taking us away. Yeah. So, um, okay. 
few questions. Lord Krishna is known as Bhagavan. What is the definition of this word? Okay. <laughs> Anybody can say it by memory? Yeah, he possesses all six opulences in full. And those six opulences are strength, fame, wealth, renunciation, uh, austerity. Is that one of them? Uh, no. No, no, no. That's not one of them. That could be in the category of strength. That could be in, yeah. Um, knowledge, yes, knowledge, of course. Gosh, and there's one more I can't I can't remember off the top. I said that one already. Ah, oh. full fame. Did you say beauty? beauty. 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 How can we forget beauty? Oh, Krishna's really beauty. Yeah, beauty, strength, fame. <laughs> what is it? Beauty, strength, fame, Gosh. wealth, knowledge, and renunciation. Call you the mind. Beauty, strength, fame, wealth, knowledge, and renunciation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he possesses all these qualities in full. Whereas we only we only possess maybe a very very small minute percentage of, of these opulences. Yes. Yeah. I think the last uh, question the reference was wrong because it was supposed. It's I, like... just, I actually changed it. I caught it afterwards. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I went back into the file and I changed it. Yeah. But I, yeah. I caught it because obviously it's. Yeah. Yeah. I read right. it. You're uh-huh. right about that. It was it was a it was a, a mistake. Yeah. Okay, so number two, Krishna says he is the source of all spiritual and material worlds in text 10.8. Why should we believe this? Oh, that's a very nice question. Yeah. He is Vishnu's father, the transcendental creator, and he is Brahma's grandfather, the material creator, but he's aloof from both of these things. Yes. So he's Vishnu's father in the transcendental way, is that right? Yeah. Oh. Trans, um, Vishnu is the transcendental way because Brahma is Brahma. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a nice word too, was it? Pritapa Maja? Pritamaha? Pripita? Yeah. He's the father of the grandfather. Right, right, right. Yeah. It was like the same. What was the same? Yeah. Pripita Maha. Was the name Pratita? No, no, repeat. It's some pre-pita or prapita. Maha. Yeah, anyways, that's not, I like those words. Yeah, because Krishna is Vishnu's father because all demigods emanate from him. and mm-hmm. But there are more than one Vishnu or types of Vishnus, and Vishnu is still all-pervading. But this is an aspect of Krishna also. Mm-hmm. Okay, anybody else have any answers to that question? Yeah, this was a, to be honest with you, this is kind of a tough question for me. Because I was, I was looking, I was looking at this, the end part, why should we believe this? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. That's a good question. And, you know, and so I was looking, at first I, you know, I, sometimes I, I felt I, I know that I should believe this, but I couldn't find, you know, any direct thing that says I should believe this because, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but what I did find was that in 10.8 purport, um, there was a little section that did say a learned scholar who has studied the Vedas perfectly and has from authorities like, and, and has information from authorities like Lord Chaitanya and who knows how to apply these teachings and can understand that Krishna is the origin of everything in both the material and spiritual worlds. And because he knows this perfectly, he becomes firmly fixed in devotional service of Supreme Lord. Mm-hmm. He can never be deviated by any amount of nonsensical commentaries or by fools. All Vedic literature agrees that Krishna is the source of Brahma, Shiva, and all other demigods. 
So the only thing that came up with that is I could say, well, it's from the Vedic scriptures. I mean, in way it says in many ways, you know, so why should you believe it? Because the Vedic scriptures say so. Because it's there, and it's some of the oldest texts in the world. It's, it, it, it's, it's from bona fide authorities. There's many things that are old that... And I mean, I'm not saying that's the only thing, but, you know, what I'm saying so is, is that... Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's from bona fide authorities in that way. Now, I ask another question with inside myself, well, then how would I know these are bona fide authorities? Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm playing devil's advocate with myself and my own brain. And I give myself a headache. <laughs> just, yeah. But anyway, it's an interesting thing, you know. And so I thought, boy, you could go on a long debate on that one or a long. Can I ask you know, yeah, absolutely. I just want to say that the way that I know mm-hmm. is Krishna, in some amazing way, has revealed this knowledge to me. And I've had a direct personal revelation of this knowledge. So, and, and the proof of that is that I am cent percent wholly convinced in the authority of the Vedic scriptures, if that makes any sense. It resonates on such a deep right. level right. that you, you're completely convinced. And I think it only comes by, by way of revelation and having that direct experience, as Krishna states in, in, in throughout, that is his mercy. You know, when he gives us his mercy, there's no other way. I mean, you can try to know Krishna by way of intellect, philosophizing, all these other approaches, but it's really Krishna's mercy that he imparts to, to his devotee. And I feel like I've been, for whatever reason, <laughs> you know, a recipient of that mercy. And I feel like I have this 100% full conviction and faith in what the Vedic scriptures uh, propound. So. I'm reminded of a passage I'd read where we can accept the authority of the Vedas similar to how when we are born, we don't know who our parents are or we know who our mother is, but we have to accept on the authority of our mother who our father is. And even then we can't trust our mother fully because if she lies even once in her life, then we can bring anything she had said into question. Is this really my father? But if people really want to test the Vedas for their authority, they would scrutinize any and all of it in its entirety. Nice. Yeah, I, that's the other thing I, I finally came to the conclusion was, is that, you know, you in, that I remember talking to Monsignor one time in the Catholic Church. And he said, you know, and at that time I was constantly debating about this and that and whatever else. And he came down to saying one thing to me, and that was, and, I, and this applies here, is to say, there's a point in time, yes, that, that thinking and reasoning and finding all this out takes you, scholarly type things just take you so far. Mm-hmm. And then at some point in time, you just have to believe. You just have to have faith, you know? It's not, do we have to have faith? It's who? Right. So, yeah. So from his, 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 his saying is that, yeah, faith has got to be a part of that. You know, there's got to be a sense of, of, of taking that leap, you know, and then once you do, then you feel the way you described, I think. Is that true or is that? If you don't take that leap, then you're limiting yourself to a tiny speck in eternal existence. If you realize the vast scope just of the material worlds, if you, if you will not believe that anybody else has any higher knowledge, then you limit yourself to like a tiny pigeonhole of existence where you're saying 
the only the only reality that is known is the what I know and what people around me know. No one else has any higher information. And so this this makes me think back to the fourth chapter where Krishna says, just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master. Inquire from him submissively and render service unto him. The self realized soul can impart knowledge unto you because he has seen the truth. So to me, this faith is imparted or this knowing is imparted because somehow or other, through the mercy of the Lord, we've encountered his representative. Mm -hmm. And through um, being engaged in devotional service through his representative, then Krishna um, reveals more. He gives more mercy. Mm -hmm. And he deepens that faith and conviction. And then he, things start to jump out. We, we start to see, live the reality that we initially just... Um, we were talking about the ten tender faith. We just had some tender faith. So, yeah. yeah, I was going to say that for me, um, I immediately go to the Vedas is really special to me personally because it actually gives you a practice, something that you can do and see the results. That it's not like other faiths that is just, okay, this is the knowledge, you just have faith in it. Yeah. It gives you a practice. So when you practice sincerely, you, for me personally, it's like I feel him. When I chant, I feel him. So it, it becomes real in that moment, like really real, because it has a practice and then it has results. So that for me alone speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what but the experience that Krishna was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right, though, because it all begins when Krishna brings forth his 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 devotee and it's yeah. that mercy yeah. that we that we take a hold of. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 where it all starts. Yeah. So I mean you're right. You're and right. there's that verse that I think um someone was quoting maybe Ganga Mantra this morning was quoting that those who have implicit faith in Guru and Krishna, all the imports of the Vedic powers are revealed. Mm -hmm. So once you have that faith and Guru and Krishna, and then all of a sudden the words of Bhagavad Gita begin jumping out at you. Right. You're getting all these real. That's why we're sharing these realizations. Hey, come in, come in, please come in. Okay, uh, hi. Hare Krishna. Krishna. We're going to have to um, yeah, yeah. adjourn yes. now. Okay. And um, Govinda Madhav and I are going to stay for this meeting. We'll meet at 6.45 um, out here in the parking lot to get our gear ready to do our Harinam, okay? Thank you so much.